Let's stand and let's, let's read our text. It's at the top of your listening sheet, 2 Corinthians 10. This then is the text for today. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us a measure to reach even as far as you. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. May God bless the reading of his word. Those nods of approval are the best. When we come to those moments in life when we are able to, to finish a task, and then those that are most invested look up and give you that nod of approval. They don't even have to say anything. They just nod, and you know. One of those nods of approval happened for me on the football field. I was playing football in high school. I was safety on the defense. And just before halftime, the other team was marching down the field. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see our defensive coordinator just waving his hands frantically, calling my name. And so eventually he caught my attention, and I looked his way. And he was, Chris, Chris. He was going like that and telling me to move back. And so I moved back further, and then he was like... And so I, I moved over a little bit further. And so I did exactly what he told me to. And then about that time, the play began. And I kind of took a step or two back like you're supposed to when you're playing safety. And at that time, the quarterback just threw the ball directly to me. And I intercepted it and just sort of ran back the other direction. And it got tackled, and then it was, it was halftime. And as, as we, we ran back towards the field house... Our hard-nosed defensive coordinator didn't even have to say anything. He just looked at me and nodded on the way in. And I knew I did well. I did exactly what he told me to, and I knew he was proud of me. You know, those, those nods of approval are formative. They reinforce our behavior. They set the stage for what comes next. In fact, they, they begin to form our futures. We need that nod. The difficulty, though, is as, as we intake those nods of approval from others, they're shaping our lives, and we're allowing other people often to set metrics in our lives for success. You see, whoever you are looking at for those nods of approval dramatically affect your life and dramatically affect how you define your metrics of, a, of success and accomplishment. Uh, if you have somebody that you're looking toward for a nod of approval and, and they, they put you in a right position like a, a well-prepared defensive coordinator, that can be a good thing. But if you're searching for a nod of approval from Twitter, then there's no telling what you might do. So where, where are we looking for our nods of approval right now? Who is setting the metric? Who is setting the bar in our lives for what is right and what is next and what is success who are those people that we are looking to to set the boundaries of our behavior? Because some in the Corinthian church were going down a dark road. 
Some in the Corinthian church were seeking a nod of approval from the culture that surrounded them. In fact, there were, there were leaders rising up in the ranks of the Corinthian church who were making a compelling case that they needed to shape their leaders and shape their opinions in such a way that the secular community surrounding the church would look in and give them a nod of approval. You know, there's all kinds of stories of the day that the church can speak to. And when you speak to these stories of the day, the culture will nod vigorously in approval. They were seeking out those kinds of things. What can we do that the culture will, will see and notice and nod and say, good job? See, they were happy to let the world outside of the walls of the church set the metric, to set the bar and say, this is where we need to be. See, if you want to receive that nod of approval from the world, naturally you appeal to the flesh. Paul has this conversation in here uh, about the flesh and, and walking according to the flesh. And so in that, you, you appeal to what feels good. You appeal to what people want. Wherever their imaginations have taken them, you affirm it. In fact, there's no quicker way to get a nod of approval from the culture that surrounds you than play up those fleshly things. Play up the, those desires of the flesh, the, the evil imaginations of the heart. Play them up, and the culture will nod in approval. Tell them their ways are good. Start to boast in the things that they are boasting in. Paul gives us a, a charge here in boasting. And so you can, you can make them really nod with approval when you start boasting in the same things they are boasting in. Whatever they, whatever the culture feels like makes them distinct, you claim it too. You boast in it too, and they will nod in approval. So they're going to boast in money. So you boast in money. They're going to, to boast in a knowledge that's above the rest of the world, and you, you reiterate the same kinds of maxims. They, they're going to boast in their strength, and you just boast in your strength. See, to get a nod of approval from the world, you must look like the world. And when you do that, it's the culture that's setting the metric for the church. It's the culture that's setting the metric for truth. And there were some in Corinth, in the church at Corinth, that were fine with that. And the surrounding world will give you a nod of approval if you appeal to that flesh. But our God gives you a nod of approval for denying the flesh. See, as you work down through today's text, 2 Corinthians 10, you hear Scripture's call. You hear God's call. Think higher. Think higher than the flesh. Think higher than the physical world. There's something greater. There's something more than just what your flesh desires. There's something greater and more than the physical world that surrounds us. There is a spiritual world and a spiritual existence that's far greater than anything that you see with your fleshly eyes on this earth. Say, there's something more. We move beyond the purely physical and see the rest of the world as God sees it. See, when we're feeding our imaginations in what feels good, we are limiting our experience to a fraction of what God has in store for us. God has so much more than what we see play out in this physical world around us. And we're limited to that physical world and not the spiritual world. We're missing out on what God is and who God is and what God has planned for our future. See, to get the nod of approval from God, we need to grow up, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus Christ. The only person who gets to set the metric 
for our lives is the only person that we can boast in, our God, the Creator. It's another way Paul talks here about getting a nod from the surrounding world. And one of the ways that you can get a nod from the surrounding world is engaging in their rhetoric. And this is what I mean by that. You see this play out in the text today. Paul, Paul describes it first in, in this, this uh, battle metaphor that we are destroying fortresses. And he points to the work of the teacher in this context. He says, in this context, this is what we are doing as teachers in the church. We are destroying fortresses, these metaphorical bastions of Satan. And it's easy for us, as we, we hear the text unfold this way, it's easy for us to picture a physical confrontation and the Christian winning in a bloody fight. But practically, in this text, in this context, Paul is engaging the intellectuals here. This is not a physical battle, this is a mental battle. I mean, you hear what he says, as the, the, the Spirit destroys the things that he's talking about in this context, he says, this is the speculations of the world. It's the things raised against the knowledge of God. It's their logic and their arguments against the knowledge and ways of God. It's, it's the thoughts, and it's those thoughts against God and against God's ways that must be taken captive. So he's talking in this mental, intellectual sense that we are destroying these fortresses. That means if you want to get the nod of approval from the surrounding world, you lean on their logic and their arguments. You let them set the metric for theological consistency. Now, why in the world would we do that? Right? If, if you want a, a nod of approval from the world, you'll, you'll let them do that. But, but how in the world would we let them set the metric for truth? The world has no clue what truth is. See, if we want a nod of approval from God... We take those worldly thoughts captive and we stand on the truth of Jesus Christ. This truth that is prescribed in Scripture. Now one of the ways this happens within the church, and that, that's what Paul is exactly dealing with here in 2 Corinthians 10, is, is people, even, even Christians can come to the Scripture and they come like a lawyer looking for legal loopholes and what he's saying here, when, when we come to the Scripture like a lawyer looking for a technicality, you denounce it in the Spirit. See, this is happening all, all the time around us today. People come, and, and they come as a lawyer trying to get their client off on a technicality. And, so, and, and often the client is ourselves, that we're trying to get ourselves off on a technicality. We do this with our descriptions and our thoughts of hell. We, we do this with our descriptions and our definitions of sins. And so we, we try to set out in Scripture to make our loopholes in such a way that we're not responsible for our own sin. That whatever sin we find ourselves in, we are there because we were placed there. It, it's not our fault that we ended up in that place. Or we begin to take the words of Scripture and we define sin in such a way that we no longer look guilty. We become a victim or we become somebody who's separated from the sin. It's not us who are guilty. We, we try to find legal loopholes to get us even through the Scripture where we can say, I'm not responsible. See, Paul is saying we get a nod of approval from God here when we stand against that kind of rhetoric. When we stand against those kinds of arguments, those are arguments of the world. Those are the ways the world tries to get around Scripture and get around truth. 
You see, the world loves it when we wallow in loopholes. But our God shuts down that kind of rhetoric. Keep moving with me. You know, you've, you may have heard this, this one before. There's another extra canonical book, and it's an ancient book, that describes what the Apostle Paul uh, may have looked like. And it doesn't do any, any favors. In fact, it describes Paul like this. It says, Paul was bow-legged, <clears throat> he was bald, he had bushy eyebrows, and he had protruding eyes, whatever that means. Uh, but essentially, they were saying Paul was not an attractive man. And on top of that, we know from Scripture and some, some other things that, that it seems as though Paul did have some kind of physical handicap, that maybe this, this, this thorn in the flesh that he speaks of was visible, and maybe people knew that he had some kind of physical handicap or, or physical limitations. So on top of all of that, Paul was just not an attractive man. In fact, he even says, quotes here in, in 2 Corinthians 10.10, uh, 10, he said, you, even you, the church at Corinth, have been describing my appearance, and the way they described it, they said Paul was unimpressive in appearance. Now, maybe they're, they're being nice there. Maybe they're being kind in the way they're describing him. But if you want to get a nod of approval from the surrounding world, you get rid of someone who looks like that. You know, there's, a, there's another church that, that I know and know relatively well. And that, that church has a policy that they only put pretty people on stage. And we can't do that. Those are the ways of the world. In fact, if you want to get a nod of approval from God, there's a different way. I want us to look at Psalm 147. Look at Psalm 147, 10 and 11 with me. He's talking about our God. He says, he does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. Gratefully, God does not care how strong your legs look. That's not what God is basing his future for you on. God's nod of approval is for a strong heart. It's for people who care deeply about him and, and his word. It's people who have allowed the, the Holy Spirit in to, to nurture their heart and rid their heart of sin. Th those are the things that God is looking for. In fact, there's another uh, similar nod from the world in verse 10. You, you hear as you keep moving through verse 10, it says, Paul's speech was weak. And one way that, that you can think about that, there's another way you can translate this, is that Paul didn't have a stage presence. In fact, Paul acknowledges that in other of his letters. He said, I, I was not good in front of you speaking out loud. I don't have a good stage present, presence. The, the world uh, wanted the most eloquent speakers. God wanted people who were obedient. See, when you look back through the giants of the Bible, God could have cared less about eloquence and his leaders. Moses couldn't speak in front of people. Right? And, and Paul's saying the same thing here. I, I don't do well when I'm standing in front of you speaking, but I have the truth of God with me. And that's what matters. But there were people in Corinth making fun of Paul's stage presence. They were making fun of Paul's look, saying he was not worthy because he didn't have the right look and he didn't have the right stage presence. But if you want a nod of approval from God, there must be a different metric. Those are not the metrics of the church. Now, I want us to be careful here because you, you can read this saying that God is looking for unattractive people who don't speak well. Now, it would be easy for us to say that, and, and we can do that, right? We can, we can produce that all day long, unattractive people that don't speak well. 
But, but it's more than that. That's not what we're talking about here. Saying, those things don't matter at all. What, what matters is where your heart is. God is looking for a pure heart. God is looking for a repentant heart. Those in here that are ready to repent and hand their heart entirely over to God. That's who he's looking for. A man and a woman who will completely obey him. A man or a woman who will be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what God is looking for. That's where God gives his nod of approval and no one else. You see, it was never about looks or rhetorical skills. It, it was always about the heart. It's not about eloquence. It's about where you find yourself with God today. Look down at one, one more with me. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 12. It's one that we read earlier. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. Did you hear what they're doing? They're just kind of looking around at each other and patting one another on the back. And, and this, is, this is an easy way to get approval from the world. It's when the people in the church are patting one another on the back. And then you look out into the culture and you start patting them on the back too. And you, you just look over with admiration and, and all will be okay. So that's what, that's what they're doing. And, and they don't need any, any other approval because they're giving each other nods of approval. Just looking around left and right at one another. And that's where they're defining their metric. That's where they're defining who they are is just looking at one another and saying, you're doing pretty good, you're doing pretty good. I guess we must all be pretty good. But there's a specific call to obedience here in our text to stop looking around. Stop looking side to side for anyone to give you nod of approval in your life. There's only one nod of approval that matters. And you've got to look up to find it. You're, you're not going to find it looking to your right or to your left. You, you look up for that nod of approval. So we, we stop looking. This is our call to obedience. We, we stop looking at each other for some kind of reciprocal self-validation. See, the, the, the people around us, and especially the culture around us, has never set the metric for approval in this world. People around us all the time try to set that metric. They pretend to set that metric. But it's, it's still a sham. All of those metrics that you find from others and from our culture is a sham that will come crumbling down. And you'll see it. The, the longer you chase the surrounding world's metric, you begin to understand how quickly it falls. So you may get an occasional nod of approval, but it won't last. And you can never keep up. That, that metric is always moving. It's up and down. It's left and right. And you can't keep up with where that metric lands. And their approval in the end means nothing because their approval is only for a minute until the metric moves. And then you won't find that approval again. May we stop chasing their approval and look up to our God. See, our God has a much different metric. It's an impossible metric, but God gives you the grace to get there. The world's never going to offer you that grace, but God has laid that grace out completely in front of you. Theirs is moving. God's is eternal. Theirs is graceless. God is graceful. Right? They're never going to offer you anything, but God has offered you everything. Everything. 
Come close to God this morning, and, and you'll find those eternal things that matter. Come close to God this morning, and you'll find those eternal metrics that have never changed. You've been chasing metrics that matter to no one. Even to the world, they say they matter, and then they change them the next day. They, they don't matter. Search for those eternal metrics that matter to God. And that's our resolution this week, to be resolved, to look up for validation, to look up for our approval, to look up for our metrics. Don't look left or to your right. In fact, this is a difficult week for us in that. Because often when family comes together and we sit around a table at Thanksgiving, it's hard not to look left and right for our validation. It's hard not to look across that table for our nod of approval. But let me remind you this week that none of those nods of approval around that table will matter. The one that matters is when you look up to your God. He's the one that's setting the metric. He is the one that gives that eternal nod of approval that matters. So let's be, be resolved to obey and we're going to search out those holy metrics that matter, the holy metrics that last for eternity. And we have two steps in that for us. The first one is repent of where we've missed it in the past and then commit to be obedient to it in the future. See, when, when we do that and, and we, we come close to our God and the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives, we're going to see those eternal things that matter. Our eternal, unchanging God will be your perfect metric and your perfect redeemer. Let's pray together. Father, though we often look to the left and to the right for validation, forgive us. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and make us right. Lift our chins up by your hand. Lord, Lord, let us see your holy presence this morning as the perfect heavenly Father, giving grace, giving hope, setting the standard. So, Lord, we come before you, and we, we beg for your help. Come, heal us, show us your ways. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.